0: Pod. Pod. Welcome to Draft Week, I'm Bobby Manning, this is the Celtics Blog Podcast and there is a lot going on in the NBA as there tends to be this time of the year and none of it is certain, a lot of people like to talk about it like they know what's going on, but we're going to be stunned and the first stunner came this week. The breaking news is Anthony Davis headed to the Lakers. The Pelicans have traded AD for Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and three first-round picks, including the fourth overall pick in Thursday's draft, as first reported by ESPN's Adrian Rojnarowski. So the Pelicans get a haul for Anthony Davis, who has one year remaining on his contract. I was blown away by that because all the noise before this pelicans they didn't want to deal with the lakers you know lakers were in turmoil we all read lakers 2.0 we all watched magic johnson resign in front of the media and then watch him turn toward live tweeting everything with exactly what we see so we're going to talk about all of this and we're going to do it with max carlin i was expecting to have a big big Roomful of Celtics blog writers here, and Max Carlin was the only one who showed up. So thanks for uh, thanks for knocking on the door, Max, and welcome.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I-
0: I'm I'm glad we have you though, because you know we-, we got Jeff throwing darts at the draft board behind the scene, which is good. You know, you can- <laughs> you can hit throwing darts over there. He, he did. The
1: he did well on his um uh, serving as the GM for the Celtics on the SB Nation blogger's
0: mock draft he picked really well in that yeah he he did his thing <laughs> but you know he's a, he's out there he, he'll admit it he's just he's just throwing stuff around a little bit oh yeah checking on the names that everybody's hearing about he picked kevin porter he picked bobo who's the third one he picked he, he got jackson hayes at 14. jackson hayes as well so he did good with those three picks He uh, did it well. <laughs> so we'll actually figure out what these guys are made of this summer and going into next year and the good, the good thing is now that the Celtics youth movement is taken over, which is something I advocated for, something I was preparing myself for a week or two ago. That now I think these guys that are coming in with these draft picks, depending on what they do, are finally going to get a chance to play. You know, As we know, Robert Williams didn't get a lot of opportunity last year. Gershon, <laughs> for, for all the laughs we have and the bad, bad minutes he's played, I looked at the game log today and he only played – like six games of meaningful minutes last year. Only 41 overall. So maybe even he'll get some run next year. But I I was not prepared for what dropped over the weekend. Anthony Davis is a Laker. And I wrote about it. My My first impression was, Max, I was prepared for this. I think everybody was prepared that this was the way it was going to go when the Irving saga unfolded the way it did. Like this dream died about two weeks ago. But to finally see it happen, and for it to be the Lakers, was just the most bitter pill to swallow, and just devastating for the Celtics team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of became resigned to the fact that it was going to be the Lakers, I don't know, two weeks ago, maybe. Because of Rich Paul? Yeah, Rich Paul, and then everything that was, you know, all these specifics that were coming out about their offer, and just how desperate they were, it kind of felt like it was inevitable and it seemed like the Knicks had kind of cooled on it and you know their free agent uh plans you know, seem to be falling through a little bit at least uh it kind of felt like the Lakers were inevitable especially with with Kyrie seemingly out the door it's just the Celtics couldn't risk that and uh, like even if they had Kyrie I don't know how comfortable I would have been with them topping this Lakers offer that they gave up a lot
0: I mean looking back on it an extraordinary package, we'll run it down, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and it looked like five first round picks at the beginning, it's really going to end up being three, I think, at uh, number four this year, either 2020 or 2021, depending on how it shakes out. 20- that
1: 2021, I think though, is it's reverse protected, right? So it's like... It has to be top eight or it doesn't convey at all.
0: Yeah, which is funny because I, I thought I saw top eight from the start and then, it, yeah, it went to the reverse protection, which yeah. means it's going to get kicked back pretty much. I, yeah, you can't almost see, definitely. You can't yeah. see the Lakers being in the lottery that year with LeBron and Davis, but the Lakers have done funnier things. which is <laughs> Which we have a chance to laugh at this down the line. But really, <laughs> I mean, this was my big takeaway from this. It, it doesn't matter what happens in L.A. They win a championship. They collapsed like the Nets and Lakers of Dwight Howard and Steve Nash <laughs> before them. It still won't alleviate just this pain that I have. I mean, I had a Anthony Davis shirt when they became the Pelicans. I bought it right when they became the Pelicans. This guy, I've loved him, his talent, going back to when he came into the league. And it, I've been following him so much, one of my favorite players in this league. Then you start hearing that momentum years ago. I don't even know how many years ago it was now. Oh,
1: a long time ago I mean I
0: I think Danny was
1: building to this for a long time AD was you know he I don't think he was that interested in Jimmy or or Paul George I think he was gearing up for AD a long time ago and then Kyrie sort of just popped up and that introduced all these difficulties with um the Rose Rule not being able to get uh multiple of these max extension rookies uh, but yeah, I think Danny was playing for this for a long time. I'm actually surprised that he was as restrained. Uh, he was able to remain as restrained as he. It seems like he he was. I like that he didn't. I mean, it's unclear if he he offered Tatum, but he didn't go overboard. He didn't offer Tatum and Memphis together. He didn't offer all of that and Jalen Brown. I'm honestly kind of surprised. I thought that he was really, you know, putting all the um, all the eggs in this basket, and it turns out he wasn't, which. Probably was a good decision because I don't think this team would have been good enough to keep Anthony Davis.
0: Well, well, even me, the Davis enthusiast, I am looked at it when the Irving stuff started turning toward he's going to the Nets, he's out of here, which yeah. we really knew back in that Buck series. So that dream pretty much died when that Buck series ended and... He was talking about who cares and all that stuff he was and those pressers. I mean, mm-hmm. that's when we put the Davis stuff to rest. And that's how, when I look at this week, I say, you know, we've known this for a while. We knew that the Celtics couldn't bring Davis here alone. The Rich Paul story that dropped where he said he's not going to be a Celtic, I, that pretty much buried it. And then it's the Lakers, which, you know, I could have taken mm-hmm. Toronto. It's- even though that's more consequential to this Celtics team. Yeah, uh, you know, you could have taken Denver, which you know I'm still stunned. Denver didn't put more chips on the table than they did, but for the Lakers to get rewarded for all of the nonsense that they've pulled, the dang contract still on the books, all the mistakes that they've made—they needed
1: a second meeting with Lamarcus Aldridge because they didn't talk about basketball in the first one.
0: Oh, run it down. <laughs> I mean, we can do a top 50 list of Lakers blunders, and that's how it goes. The Lakers get the guy; they always do.
1: Yep, always.
0: So Davis is off the table. That inevitably turns the Celtics toward a youth movement. But they're going to meet with Kyrie Irving this week before the draft. I mean, is this just pleasantries? Is this just goodbye? That's what it would seem like for me. I think
1: he's giving them the courtesy of telling them to their faces that he's gone. That would be my guess.
0: Yeah, it only makes sense. And maybe Ainge is going to get on his hands and knees. I mean, he's been <laughs> he's been trying his hardest to still make this Davis Irving dream a reality. And give him his yep. due. He did the courtesy. Maybe he even pushed that Lakers offer a little bit, which you tip your cap to him for that. It doesn't really help the Celtics that much in any regard. But you got to do your job competitively to at least uh, yep. make yourself feel like you're in the conversation there. And the Lakers did put so much on the table there.
1: Yeah, I think he probably did push them a little bit which is, I mean, yeah, it doesn't. I guess it doesn't really do much for the Celtics, but it's it's nice to see the Lakers really uh, have to do all that they can, even if they are going to get the guy in the end.
0: Yeah, and this essentially seals it. The Celtics were building that championship team. It looked like they had a two-year window in front of them, and we can point it all the way back to that Gordon Haywood injury. That now. lob. That we, lob. We knew that was going to be a devastating moment for that team in particular but for this entire yeah. era really this Kyrie era that we've had a short one at that that's going to end this off season in all probability it ended that it ended the Davis dream you know we can even go back to that Isaiah injury against Minnesota yeah. no one even knew what happened in that game but we can go back to that now and just say oh devastating for what they've been building here I mean contention
1: is just so hard. You ba- you have to have the best player in the league, basically, or it's just so fragile. And it comes down to one you know, Ill and, uh, one poor decision on a lob, and a guy's ankle explodes, and and then you know everything you've been building for five years is gone.
0: And maybe that's even the moment Irving started to get the shade of, his, of doubt in his mind about what was going on here. Who knows when it turned for him? I mean, who knows how dev- devastated he was. I mean, dedicated he was. He was probably devastated too, but dedicated he was to that statement in the opening night or whatever it was, the season ticket holders event where he said he was going to be sticking around here. Something they'll probably play in the garden the first time he comes back, whether it's (laughs) with Brooklyn or L.A. or anything else. That's what they're going to throw out there. And it's exciting to some degree too because they're going to have the first fiery – angry rivalry that they've had in quite some time with whatever team he ends up going to. I mean, it's going to be the most hated player in Boston sports. Recent memory as he departs to wherever he's going to go. And if it's the Lakers, I don't think it's, it's going to be. But it's going it to I mean,
1: be the Nets. He, he's going to the Nets.
0: All the better, though, because they're here four times a year, right?
1: <laughs> well, that means you have to play Kyrie Irving four times a year, which uh... I'd prefer not to do.
0: Yeah, that's the downside to this. We know that this yeah. team's gonna be scrappy. We know that they're gonna maybe even exceed last year's win total somehow if they make it all click. Oh, right. I,
1: I think they definitely could in the regular season. I just think that the ceiling of the team is gone. Like they, you know, they could win. I think depending on on the surrounding roster moves, obviously depending on Al, somewhere between 45-51 wins, something like that. But that a first-round exit. Second round tops, they're just—they're not a serious threat at all without Kyrie.
0: Even with Terry Rozier coming back. Oh God. So we did a little roundtable with uh, Jeff. That's going to be going up on the site probably tomorrow. Yeah. When yeah. you hear this, when this comes out today, you'll be able to go over the site and uh, check it out. Just for kicks, what side were you on there?
1: I—I I was on the uh, my my reaction is the Michael Scott. Uh, please, God, no. Uh, yeah, I'm not a Terry Rozier fan. Uh, I think that he's basically a replacement-level guard, and the way that he does that is by dominating the ball and playing really, really terrible point-of-attack defense, and he's honestly not someone I'd want to sign to a minimum contract. I think he's really bad.
0: <laughs> is, that, is that just based off last year, though?
1: Um, I think that the playoff run was really, really overrated. He was good at home... In the Milwaukee series against a Milwaukee team that wasn't that good, and he was good at home in in maybe one of the games against Philly, two of the games against Philly, and really the entire time on the road he was terrible. And in that Cleveland series, he was just an unmitigated disaster the entire time. Um, you know, he he alone destroyed the whole idea of switching uh, screens in that series because he was so vulnerable. Um, yeah, I just I honestly think he's he's a a terrible player, and really I'm like concerned about my ability to follow this team if he is the starting point guard next year.
0: Well, let me let me give you a boring response to that first, and this is the Danny Ainge one. They don't have cap space, this is one of the few guys that they can bring back with those bird rights. And all of a sudden you have another asset on board for whatever they want to do. They can Well I mean it's not
1: an asset if he's overpaid though.
0: <laughs> I don't think he's gonna be is his market as strong as it once was? I think people It's not now. Uh, people are starting to fall on your side of things. And it's amazing to hear as many Boston people turn that way about him as they did, especially when everyone's uh driving Irving out of town in taxis and planes and everything else.
1: Oh, which is so silly. People are, I don't know, people are in for, I think, a rude awakening when they realize that Kyrie Irving was actually really good and the Celtics are a better team with him.
0: Well, I'm, I'm going to go to bat for Roger a little bit here because as as terrible as it was, and I'll, I'll say this for Irving, he played well throughout the year. Those five games against the Bucks, I'll never be able to live down, and that's what people will remember. That's but true. But he had, he had the season of his career. Meanwhile, Roger pouted... Played horribly, let his defense go. I used to love his defense, but it did become what you said right there. I think at least the defense can flip. He can make some shots now, you know, give them good energy off the bench. Energy, defense, maybe not the shooting that he had in that playoff run, but those two things help you a little bit. I mean, what what guard are you going to get that's better than him in free agency?
1: See that's the thing though. If he's just bringing you energy off the bench as like a you know, guard, can create a little offense for himself. He's a terrible decision maker, so he's not really going to be making plays for others. But you know, create a little for himself, and if he totally refocuses on defense which I'm skeptical of you know if you're paying that guy eight million dollars a year that's like it's pretty unnecessary you know go get Shane Larkin from Europe at the minimum and you know he'll give you more or less the same thing you know Brad Wanamaker I think is a better player than Terry Rozier and you know and you know Terry Rozier if he's if all he's gonna do is effectively jack up shots you know they're you can allocate those shots better. You can give those shots to, to Jalen Brown, to Jason Tatum. You know, these are guys that you'd much rather have taking those shots than, than Terry Rozier. And I'd, I'd personally just rather have a solid decision-maker, you know, spot-up shooter, strong defender, um, someone who's not going to take up a lot of usage, someone like Wanamaker. Um, and, you know, there are 25 Brad Wanamakers who aren't even, you know, uh, NBA roster locks. You know, these guys are, are very gettable. I think if you know if Rozier was this quality of player and he was a six seven wing, I think I'd probably be a lot more okay with just rostering him because it's so hard to come by these guys. When you're talking about an undersized one position guard. You can just find these guys so easily. Um, you know, you could get the, you could get someone I think as good as Rozier with the fifty first pick this year, or as an undrafted free agent. You know, someone who's not going to totally hijack your offense and destroy your defense, and um, is available for much less money than Rozier.
0: Maybe someone who doesn't have the upside. This guy might still have though. He is young. He has developed from what he was when he got into the league, and people were booing this guy on draft. Yeah, he's night. done better. And he's come a long way to that point in those playoffs. And I'll still hang on some of that playoff production he had. And you still got got Tatum. You still got Brown. Those guys got theirs in those playoff runs. Roger worked Mm -hmm. with Al Horford, who I'm just hoping comes back because this is really going to be a disaster if he leaves. I mean, we'll just have to shut down the show if he goes. (laughs) I
1: I love Al so much. I almost want to see him compete for a championship somewhere else. And I just I'm a little worried that if he opts out and re-signs at a lower number, that that contract could be kind of sneaky bad. Um, I like I really I want Al to play the rest of his career with the Celtics. I love him. I have two Al Horford jerseys. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a little bit worried about just assuming that that what, whatever his next contract is is going to be fine. I'm kind of I'm I'm a little bit in on a complete teardown just. Sort of tank for two or three years and, and then be ready to reload oh, when Tatum's going to get paid.
0: My, my thing is, though, you still got to develop those young guys. And if it's going to be Aaron Baines, Robert Williams down the middle, they're just getting wrecked defensively. They have no ball movement through that position, no high level of talent there. And who knows what they're going to do in this draft. But that, that's just going to start to wear on those young guys. And then you got Brown's contract coming up, Tatum in two years. Those guys start itching to leave. It really turns bad here. So the one thing you got to do, if anything here you might not be winning these next two years but you got to rebuild the culture because what's everybody saying about boston you know davis didn't want to go there maybe it's because they don't treat their stars right i don't think that's why he didn't want to come here but you do have some people throwing that notion around they did take damage from that isaiah thing a couple years ago and maybe that's left people's minds but you want to build a place where people want to be again because remember i mean building what that Isaiah did those years brought Horford, brought Hayward here. Mm-hmm. Yep. You might not have that anymore now after these past few years. No,
1: and, and that's I think that's all true, and that's probably why I'm very okay with bringing Al back uh, because you know you he is so positive for developing these young guys, and he will. You know he's an elite culture guy. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 totally okay with bringing Al back. I mean I'd I'd love to see it. I, I love watching Al Horford play basketball and want to do it for the rest of his career.
0: The NBA draft is Thursday, so we got expertise here from Max Carlin. He's been chopping up film. He's been doing all the things you need to sound smart on draft (laughs) night, and then in a couple years, just go, oh, geez, what was I thinking? Because that's how this thing goes once you get past the top three. Now, this is the first question I'll ask you as we start to digest a lot of the things that are being thrown around about this draft. Everybody this time of year starts to talk like they're an expert, and the one thing that everybody wants to throw around who wants to sound like an expert is that this is a two-person three-person draft and there's just absolutely nothing after that and for a celtics team that's 14 20 and 22 that that would sound really bad is that notion true to you
1: uh i think that's not entirely accurate i think that some of the sentiment is right i think it's a one player draft in in the sense that there is one superstar level player in this draft and i don't think anyone else has a really good shot at getting there. Um, I think that, that making it sound like 14, 20 and 22 are bad picks to have is very misleading though because where this draft is really weak is the, that like 2 to nine range. and where it's I think at its strongest is that 10 to 20, 10 to 21 range, something like that where you know those are a lot of players in the 10 to 21 range that I'd be really okay with. you know maybe the, the tail end of the lottery in a normal draft uh, the middle of the first round for sure. Whereas, you know, the two to nine guys, I don't think I'd take any of them in the top five of a normal draft. Um, so I think that the Celtics are in a great position. I think that the talent in the draft is really, really flat, basically from two through 45. And it's, it's really an eye of the beholder thing and a fit thing. So if you have a smart organization that knows what it's doing, knows what it needs from prospects. Uh, having three picks in the middle of the round is an opportunity to really kill it and and draft some guys that people end up wondering how the hell they fell.
0: It becomes a big draft range in that regard too cuz if we look back at his history, he's been in this middle round before mm-hmm. and he, he had a guy Jared Solinger who looked like he could have been <laughs> a hit and became an unplayable player by the time 2016 came around, which was just too bad because we knew the talent was there. And he does take chances on those type of guys. Certainly top-line talent who find a way to fall. We saw it with Robert Williams last year. He nailed Roger to some degree considering where the pick was. But now, like you just said right there, 14, 20, 22, you got a couple cracks at finding that mid-round guy, the Giannis Antetokounmpo. You don't have to even aim that high. Maybe you could just get a who's a decent guy who went mid-round. I don't have an example for you, but just imagine one. 14. Who are you eyeing around that range? You, you really can't predict who's going to be going 4-14, four but who would you at least want to see be in play at that range?
1: Uh, I think my top choice at 14 would probably be Brandon Clark. Uh, He's a forward slash big from uh, Gonzaga, 6'8" uh 68 wingspan 207 pounds, i think uh he's just a genius defensive monster complete freak athlete second second best athlete in the draft after Zion and and like really a, a genuine special athlete uh insane leaper and gets off the ground really really quickly which i think is something that's undervalued in comparison to just raw vertical ability uh he's super mobile uh really quick can defend Basically one through four and a half, um, and then offensively has special touch. Like he said at the combine in an interview, that if he's in the paint, he's confident he's going to make the shot, and it's it's true. The guy is unbelievable at, at just putting the ball in the basket when he's uh, relatively close. He's got legitimate handling ability, uh, like really underrated passing ability, um, and then because of that touch and because of the the. Overhaul that he's made over the last two years. I think there's reason to believe that he'll he should be able to hit spot up threes. I think. Um, So he's a little bit of a you know old school player, and that he's right now a non stretch four. But I think that will change pretty quickly, and he should be uh, you know a really awesome player, and I think would be a great great fit next to next to Al for sure.
0: I'll pause it. Well, that's a positive there. Any downsides yeah. on Clark?
1: Um, yeah. So the uh, like I mentioned, six eight wingspan uh, for a six eight guy. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of length. He's really weak. You know, six eight and two hundred seven pounds. Uh, you know, offensively, I think there's there's a chance that you know that that touch doesn't really translate. That he can't get shots off over length and that he's just not that useful of an offensive player and can't be that impactful defensively because of the lack of length, Uh, in which case, you know, he could be kind of middling. But on the whole, I'm willing to bet on a guy who's just freakishly intelligent um, and truly freakishly athletic uh, to be an impact player. You know, not a star in the conventional sense, but but sort of a star role player.
0: If we're talking needs, it's certainly going to have to build up at the center position for this team. Jackson Hayes you see any chance of him falling to that 14 spot and what do you think of him out of Texas
1: it certainly seems like Jackson Hayes could be available I have a bit of a hard time believing that he falls past both Atlanta picks at eight and ten and uh, Washington at nine Uh, I love Jackson Hayes he is sixth on my board Um, he is sort of a freak athlete in a different way Uh, he's a very good vertical leaper also gets off the ground really quickly, but his freakishness comes in, um, just ridiculous coordination. The guy moves in a way that you just have to see. Um, he has the best hands I've ever seen and he's really skinny at the moment, but he's sort of, he's growing into this frame. He just had a huge growth spurt, um, at the end of high school and he's really just new to basketball in general. So, you know, he's, he's block happy and, and, makes poor decisions on on both ends but you know, he's still really learning the game of basketball so I'm optimistic that he could be on a on a an accelerated you know, intelligence and skill curve and he the skill that he flashes as as a ball handler even as a passer uh is really exciting to go with just special physical tools uh special touch as well um to think that you know he could be anywhere from a really valuable two-way rim runner to you know a pretty dominant uh, face-up scorer to go with that elite rim running and maybe even some spot-up shooting. So I'm I'm a big fan. I think if if he's there at 14, that would be one of the steals of the draft.
0: Best hands he's ever seen. So those are those, are those two guys on that Tier 1 list you had that I think could be in play for Boston around there. A lot of those guards, I think, are going to end up being higher guys. You yeah. actually have Kobe White in the second tier of guys. Which yeah. you know, we can squabble about, but I think he'll he'll end up being in that top seven, top ten range anyway. Yeah, he'll so. be he'll be
1: gone for sure.
0: So we'll go in the tier two. Wings are abound, you know, Cam mm-hmm. Reddish. Amazing that we're talking about him in tier two when he was like a consensus three guy coming in. Yeah. It'd be pretty interesting to see him, of all the wings, fall to that 14 spot if he did. Because at that point, I'm starting to say, all right, we're down on this guy. But like, how down can we get before you just have to bite?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's no chance he'll be there at 14. Um, seems like Atlanta at 8 is probably his floor. Uh, yeah, I, if he's there at 14, I'd be really interested in reddish. Uh, I think that people kind of misunderstand the appeal of him. You know, it's not that he has this untapped superstar, uh, upside. It's much more that he's this six, nine, uh, impact defender. He moves really smoothly, um, is great around the rim is great in passing lanes and will just take a boatload of three pointers, difficult attempts. Um, so I think that you know his his upside is is more comparable to someone like Robert Covington than Paul George which I think is a is a name that's thrown out there but you know Robert Covington is a really good really useful player and it's just it's not easy to find guys who are 6-9 and can impact the game defensively like that and just launch as many threes as Cam Reddish does. So I'm I'm definitely still a fan relative to sort of hipster draft twitter but yeah I mean he he relative to what um we thought coming into the year, he was massively disappointing.
0: Hipster Draft Twitter, stick with it. We got other guys on this list, Romeo Langford, looking down here, but I know who everybody wants to talk about. If we're trying to drive up views around here, we're not talking Alexander Walker, who I love. We're talking Boal Boal, who everybody yeah. wants to know about. Everybody... We're going to count down the 14. He's going to be on that board, and you're going to see the tweets Fine, Bo still there, 12, 13, and then we'll see because they'll still have the option to take him at 20 possibly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I watched this guy in the early in the season for as long as he was there. He played against Syracuse, and he has that look of a guy phenomenal for the college game due to his size and skills that he can just take advantage of everybody there. But when all the intangibles start mattering, it's going to be a tough, tough adjustment for him, never mind the foot injury he had, never mind the weight he apparently gained the corner of the combine. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Bull, it, my stance on him is that if Danny Ainge sits down in a room with Bull Bull and feels comfortable with making a bet on him, that I will feel comfortable with making a bet on Bull Bull because that's, you know, it's just that, that side of um you know the uh scouting process that you don't get if you're just doing this by watching games on the internet um yeah but i think that it's not just uh off court concerns with bull and injury concerns with bull there are very serious issues with him as a player uh he is an incredibly low field player he has no clue what's going on defensively he just would watch guys go to the rim right by him he is one of the least effective uh, you know, strength-wise uh, interior defenders I think I've ever seen. Like People just plow through him. Um, he, he plays with no effort and and just no no fire, really.
0: Yeah, uh, he, then, he had the look of a guy just walking out around there taking advantage of being bigger than everybody, <clears throat> tipping balls around like it's volleyball, and winning and on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's always been an issue for him, too. Going back to high school, you know, people have always doubted whether or not he has that fire than that love for basketball so i think usually that's something that's kind of unfairly attributed to prospects like i don't think that was that was a criticism of aiden last year and there were other criticisms of aiden that were very valid valid and that's why i had him third on my board but um yeah I, i think those those criticisms of Bull in this specific case are pretty valid because of the way he plays how long they've they've been around but, yeah, I mean, he has elite skills. He has elite size. He is a special shooter. He has a special fluidity with the ball. And I think outside of Zion, no one else in this class has any has multiple elite tools like that. So, you know, if Danny's comfortable with him mentally, I'm comfortable with Bull. not go fall,
0: picks. huh? <laughs> yeah. We'll get to him in our second round episode that everyone's going to be thrilled to hear. Nikhail Alexander-Walker. Let's talk about him. I mean, this isn't going to get the listeners excited, but you're about to hear my ACC bias come out from what I've seen this guy do at Virginia Tech, which has just been a phenomenal team for a few years now under Buzz Williams. And this guy was the star making it happen there. Justin Robinson's really good, too, there. But this guy has the skills to translate to the NBA. His size you talked about, his combo abilities. He can hop on the ball, he can hop off the ball. And you get a shooter, which this team has needed for a long time. You're not going to draft a guy just to be a shooter. We remember how that went with, uh, who was the Georgia <laughs> James, State guy James.
1: there? Oh, uh, R.J. Hunter.
0: R.J. Hunter, yeah. It didn't go too well with him. He's still sticking around trying his best, but you yeah. know it hasn't clicked. Alexander Walker gives you the all-around skills you need and some shooting, I think. And the Celtics had them at the uh, draft workout that Keith Smith talked about was the one where it was really could have been the guys who this team is looking at drafting, considering the cast that it was.
1: Yeah, Nikhil is. Um, I'd say that he's he's really limited athletically, and he got to the rim a fair amount in. Uh, in college, just based on guile, basically, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's Shay Gilchrist Alexander's cousin and, you know, he doesn't have the same game as Shay, but he has some of those, you know, quirky mannerisms to him that, uh, I love allow to him to hear that. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he's got, he's got funk to his game. You know, he varies speeds and, and, uh, I think he's a pretty solid ball handler, but he's just really, uh, athletically limited. No first step, like can't really turn the corner, uh, no explosion around the rim. And I think that that's probably going to preclude him from being an on-ball player in the NBA. Uh, but overall, he's just really good. He's a, a very capable shooter. Uh, I think he took 120 NBA uh, threes this year and hit at 40%. Uh, and I don't think he's an elite shooter, but definitely a good one. Uh, I really like his defensive awareness. He makes plays off the ball. He's really good on ball too. I just think that he's he's going to be a, a very solid player Uh, You know, not someone that I'm super excited about, but if they were to get him at 20 or 22, I'd be really thrilled with that.
0: This is Max Carlin, Bobby Manning here on the Celtics Blog Podcast. We call it Havlicek Stole the Pod. Rest (laughs) in peace to John Havlicek, of course. So you can subscribe to us over on iTunes, Stitcher, all the places. You can read all of Max Carlin's wonderful pieces on philosophies and tears and all those things we talk about entering draft night ahead of Thursday's draft this will be dropping on tuesday and we might as well hit on those 20 and 22 i don't know if they'll be packaged for a future pick that could be higher or if they end up going with some projects there they already have some projects on the roster uh first and foremost williams so i don't know if you take a stab at another one because that's one of my reservations about bowl 2 you're developing two big men at the same time which is tricky you, what are you looking at twenty twenty two you looking to move them or are there some guys you would want to take a shot at there? um my guess
1: will be that there are guys I'd want to take a shot on there, so someone like Taylor Horton Tucker, who I think uh you know has some definite offensive initiator upside you know if you're looking to fill the Kyrie vacuum, he's definitely a an upside play oh, as now far we're as,
0: filling the Kyrie vacuum
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean as far as an upside play though for that role, I think he's one that makes sense uh you know if it seems like kevin porter's stock is falling i'm not the hugest fan but he definitely you know he's the best space creator in the draft uh he has an amazing frame uh so if he's he's available and they want to take a shot on him and they feel okay with him mentally then that's someone that would be worthwhile but a hero
0: is one of the guys a lot of people have talked about connected to boston
1: I think they like Hero. I, I, that's not sourced or anything, but my my reading the tea leaves guess would be that they like Hero a lot and that he's a serious contender for the 14th pick. I think he's going to go early in the draft. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like they're, they're not, I don't think they're going to take three rookies, so maybe they'll stash someone or, or trade them, but it doesn't seem like they're going to use all three picks on guys who are going to be rostered next year.
0: Yeah, and they'll have a second-round pick as well. There's lots of interesting guys in that second round who I love to talk yeah. about, who we could go on for hours about off the mic, but I'm sure the people here don't want to hear about Darius Baisley and the yeah. likes. <laughs> I do have to ask, them before we get out of here, this is for a different podcast, but I'm going to pull it on the hero I have you here. Do you see Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett getting drafted in the second round, wherever it may be?
1: Um. Probably not. I think they, the Celtics, I think, brought Brissett in. They brought out. in. For a in workout. Yeah, um, yeah I, probably not draftable guys. Uh, you know, we'll see if they're around on, um, you know, in Summer League or on two ways or something like that. But I think probably not draftable guys.
0: I'll take them in the Summer League. NBA draft is Thursday. That's Max Carlin. He'll be tweeting away through it all. He loves college basketball, which I can always appreciate, so I had no problem bringing him in here to fill in for Alex Cungu's down in Florida. Max, we'll have you on some more after. I'm sure okay. we'll talk to you next week. for Where you watching having the draft?
1: Um, I'm watching the draft probably just at home. Uh, just going to hang out with family and enjoy the festivities.
0: Perfect. That's Max. I'm Bobby. We will talk to you after Thursday. Pod Pod